in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible teaches us that there's a great day coming. That's not the only passage that, that teaches uh, the, the concept. There is a great day coming. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We go through life and uh, the human race may ignore God now. Individuals may ignore God now. People may uh, shun the Bible and ignore the name of God or deny the existence of God. But they'll be unable to ignore Him on that great day. Because there's a great day coming. In the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, verses 30 and 31, the Apostle Paul said, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead. On that day, God shall judge the secrets of men. And he's going to judge them by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. This is found in Romans chapter 2 and verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So if we want to know what we're going to be judged by, we better become students of the Bible especially the New Testament, especially the gospel of Christ. And if we don't want to be judged in a negative way, we better not have a bunch of secrets that we don't want exposed because in that great day, God is going to judge the secrets of men. And it's going to be done by Jesus Christ. And it's going to be done based upon the gospel. On that day, all the bodies of men will be raised. John chapter 6, verse 40, verse 44, and verse 54. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. No man could come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. This is Jesus talking. This, this is all in the book, uh, sixth chapter of the book of John. But these three verses emphasize or show us the fact, even though they're not right there together, they're separated. But they all conclude that God will raise the righteous up in the last day. In John eleven twenty three to 25, when Lazarus had died and Jesus was talking to the family, Jesus says unto her, that would be Martha, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, Yes, shall he live. On that day, God will show his wrath and revelation of his righteous judgment. Romans 2, 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. 
God is a righteous judge and his judgment is righteous because he's not hidden anything from us. We have freedom to choose and he's told us the blessings of obedience and the cursings of disobedience the same way he told the people of Israel in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. When Moses rehearsed the law to them before he left them to leave this world and they went into the land of Canaan and he told them, if you obey God, these are the blessings that will come upon you. And if you disobey God, this is the punishment that will fall to you. So the question for us to ask is, are you ready for the judgment day? Are you ready for that great day? It will be a great day for the believer. It will be the greatest day that the believer has ever seen or heard. But it will be unbearable for the disobedient. It will be so unbearable that the scripture says that when the Lord returns and the evidence is there, that great and small they'll run to the mountains and beg them to fall on them. Because it's going to be unbearable. There's no greatness to them. Well, let's see why it's a great day. It'll be the greatest event ever known, being the second coming of the Lord. He will come with the trumpet of God and the voice of an archangel. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Paul says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed in first thessalonians 4 16 the apostle paul says for the lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first the lord will return with his mighty angels he won't come alone he will have uh, a lot of angels with him 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 7 to 9, Paul wrote the Thessalonians and he said, Unto you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Paul says, you want to rest? You want to get beyond being weary? Rest with us. Well, how could you rest with Paul? He was a Christian. Obey the gospel. Enter into that rest. Rest with us. When the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, he will be revealed. He will be coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance. On, Paul says, on them that know not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Taking vengeance on the disobedient. And then those will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. That's sort of hard for us to picture, but destruction that is everlasting. It has no end to it. It just continues to flow. Punished by being separated from the glory of of his power. In Matthew twenty five thirty one, the scripture says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. His saints, who would be the righteous dead, 
will also be with him, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 1 and verse 13. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, verse 13, to the end he may establish your hearts and unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. And then in verse 14 of First Thessalonians 4, he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Jude 1, 14 and 15. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It's going to be a great day for the righteous. It's going to be an unbearable day for the unrighteous. He will come in the clouds and every eye will see him. They won't be able to ignore him. He won't be invisible. They won't not recognize him. They will see him. Every eye will see him when he comes in the clouds. Revelation 1.7 Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. They're going to be crying because he's coming. They're not going to be happy. The majority, the, 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 the larger number of people will walk upon the broad way, not the straight and narrow way. And they're going to be crying because he's coming, because they don't want that to happen. And everything on earth is going to be destroyed. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Peter says, But the day of the Lord will come as the thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. He didn't come in 1914 visibly only to his own, as some teach. When the Lord returns, everyone will know it. It will be the greatest overwhelming demonstration ever known to man. On that day, the greatest resurrection will occur. All the bodies of everybody will be raised. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29 Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There will not be two resurrections, as many teach in the denominational world. There will only be one resurrection. In Acts 24, 15, he says, Have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. There will be a resurrection of the dead, a resurrection of just and unjust. They're all going to be part of it. There will be one resurrection and not two. But the great resurrection will occur when Jesus returns. 
It's not going to be uh, before, but it's going to be upon his arrival. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52, Paul says he will return in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. How fast is he going to come? Blink your eyes. That's how fast he'll come. In the twinkling of an eye, the blink of an eye, the last trumpet will sound. It's like in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were told the different sounds. One's to call the congregation together and another is to uh, say quit moving and another is to get up and get going and another is uh, a, a trumpet sound that we're, we're under attack, go to war. When the last trumpet sounds, it will announce the coming of the Lord and He will come and the dead will be raised incorruptible. All the dead will be raised incorruptible because they're going to enter a spiritual realm, a realm of eternity, some to the resurrection of life and some to the re uh, resurrection of damnation. And we shall be changed. Our mortal bodies will put on immortality. When he returns, the saints or the righteous that are living will ascend up into the air to meet the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. When the Lord returns, He's coming to claim His own. He's coming to take them home. Men today with their theory of the millennium have days occurring beyond the last day. The last day comes and then there will be many more days beyond that. In John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. We're told that in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. There cannot be another trumpet after the last trumpet. The last trumpet is the last trumpet. And time beyond will come to an end. In 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty four. He says, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. When you're watching a movie and, and you get the, 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 the actors, sometimes there's a little bit more they're doing that wasn't part of the movie. And then you see all these names. And then you see the words in big letters, The End. And after the end, there is no more. After the end, it's concluded. After the end, there's nothing left to anticipate. We are in the last age now. 
1 Corinthians 10, 11, Paul says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The things written in the Old Testament, the things that we read in the New Testament, have been written to admonish us because the ends of the world have come upon us. In Acts chapter 2, on the day that the church was established, Peter refers to the apostle Joel. And Joel had made a prophecy in Joel chapter 2. And Peter quotes from it and he says, This is that. This, right now in Pentecost, is that that was spoken of by Joel hundreds of years ago. And in the prophecy it refers to this time that Peter was in as being the last days. The last days begin with the establishment of the church. And when will be the final last day? Only God knows. Only the Father knows. So that would imply to us that we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. In Hebrews 9, verses 26 through 28, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus came just before the last days and offered his life as a sacrifice, shed his blood as a sacrifice for the sins of the human race so that we might be saved from our sinful condition. In verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Let me read that again. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Verse 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. The great day coming will be the last day of this last age. It won't be the beginning of something new on this earth, but it'll be the last day of the last age. The New Testament does not foretell another dispensation like the Old Testament did. The Old Testament was under the Mosaic dispensation. Uh, the people were bound by the law of Moses. The New Testament is under the Christian dispensation and we are bound by the teachings of the, of the law of Christ. It's the great day because the greatest crowd will assemble. All men of all nations will be assembled on that day. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 33, Jesus said, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then will He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Everyone who has ever lived will, will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All will be judged on that day. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according, that, uh, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You're going to stand before Christ. He's going to judge you 
according to what you've done, whether it's good or bad. But there's a minor distinction or difference between the Christian and the unbeliever. Christ is our advocate, and though he can say no good about us, he can say much good for us because he's paid the price, and our faith now is counted as righteousness. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12, he says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. We'll give an account of ourselves. We are responsible to God for the life that we lived and the way that we lived it. We can't blame a relative. We can't blame uh, a minister or an elder. We can't blame uh, someone out in society. We can't blame anyone but ourselves for the condition that we're in spiritually. God will judge men according to their works without respect to persons. 1 Peter 1.17 And if we call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning in fear. There will be no mistaken identity on that day. A loved one cannot go to bat or come to the rescue for another. Each will receive justice, not mercy, on that day. You can't stand and beg, oh, mercy, mercy. We're all going to receive justice. God will do what's just and righteous. The time to obtain mercy and forgiveness is now. It won't be then. Justice will be meted out then. The greatest judge will preside. Jesus Christ is the one ordained by God to judge all men. Acts 10.42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it, it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. And he is the righteous judge. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8 For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The judgment will occur at his second coming. Second Timothy four one Paul says, I charge thee before I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Christ is going to judge the living, the quick, the living and the dead, when he appears with his kingdom. Many things influence the judges in our lives today. The judges in our courts have lots of distraction. They can be deceived. They're only human. They make mistakes. This will not be so with the great judge. He will bring, bring us to the light. and He will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will judge every man righteously. It will be a great day because the greatest books will be opened. In Revelation 20, 11 and 12, John said, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their their works the books were open that'll be the books of the bible romans 2:16 paul said in that day when god shall judge the secrets of men by jesus christ according to my gospel james 2:12 so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty john 12:48 he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And another book was opened, the book of life. Philippians 4.3 And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And Revelation 3, 5 tells us, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And Revelation 13, 8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of, the, the life, book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to their works. He takes the books, he opens the books, he judges you according to your works from the things found in the book. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that, to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, Solomon said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Nothing will be hidden. Good or bad, good or evil, righteous or unrighteous, it will all be brought out into the open. And all the dead will be judged by the scriptures in accordance with their works. Everyone will be judged by the law, which is the gospel. James 2.12, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Romans 2.16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. The Bible will read then just as it does now. Matthew twenty four thirty five. Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So the question is, have you obeyed its holy precepts? Have you did, done what the gospel teaches? Have you turned to the Lord Jesus Christ in righteousness? In John six twenty nine, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. Luke 13, 3, he says, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then Romans 10, 9, But if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Acts 22, 16, Ananias said to the apostle Paul, or to Saul of Tarsus, And now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized? And wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Are you faithful in attendance and in building up the body of Christ? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24-25, we're told, 
let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. The greatest separation ever known will occur on that day. Yes, there is coming a great separation day. The sheep will be placed on the Lord's right hand and the goats on his left. The book of Matthew, chapter 25, discusses that at great length. There will be a father on the right side and a son on the left. There will be a daughter on the right and a mother on the left. There's a song entitled Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain and it has the phrase, Someday we'll meet up yonder in a land that knows no parting. Now that's certainly a beautiful thought, but what about those that would be separated? For loved ones to never be separated, each must fear God and keep His commandments. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. Solomon said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We must serve God together now so that we can all enjoy that land of bliss then. It is the great day because the greatest verdict will be handed down. Those on the left hand will receive the verdict, Matthew 7.23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This is the place that Jesus solemnly warned against. In Mark 9.47 and 48, our Lord said, And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. We need to avoid hell at all costs. Then those on the right will receive a verdict. Matthew 25, verse 21 and 34. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This place has been promised and prepared for the righteous. I have heard of some making reservations, but when they arrived, the owner said that he had no vacancies and no record of their making reservations. What will that great verdict be for you? Some say, I don't know. I'll just have to wait and see. You determine that that great verdict, you determine what that great verdict will be by the way you live now. And if you live now as God would have you to live, that verdict will be eternal life as he has promised. But if you live in sin and you ignore God's laws, that verdict will be eternal damnation as he has said. Thus prepare yourself now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Paul says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Truly, there is a great day coming. Are you ready for that day to come? If you're not ready, make yourself ready now by obeying the gospel. Become a Christian by being baptized into Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 
The Apostle Paul said, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you have fallen away, return by repentance and prayer. Acts 8.22 Repent therefore of this thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. If you're subject to the Lord's call in any way and you're listening to this recording, you can make contact with us by email or by phone and we will assist you with that. Good morning. I'm recording lesson uh, five uh, material from our uh, Sunday morning lesson book. Uh, recording it to be played specifically on April the 5th or any time uh, thereafter. The title of the lesson is Jesus the, the High Priest. And our text is Hebrews chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayer and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard before because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing." We're told in the introduction of the lesson that the law of Moses provided specific instructions regarding priesthood. The book of Leviticus uh, is very detailed. Uh, it's, it's, it's the book of rules for the priesthood. Uh, there's a description of the intric intricate garments of the priest. And Exodus chapter 28 and verse 2 tells us that these garments were made for glory and for beauty. And the law declared Aaron was to be adorned in the priestly garb and anointed. And the process is described in Exodus 29, verses 5 through 7. Then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with intricately woven uh, band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Although Aaron is not specifically called the high priest uh, prior to this passage, Scripture affirms that 
the high priest is the one on whose head the anointing oil was poured and who was consecrated to wear the garments. And that's recorded in Leviticus chapter 21 and verse 10. According to the law, the high priest offered sacrifices for his own sins and for the sins of the people. Leviticus 9, 7. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest's task was spelled out in detail. That's in uh, Leviticus chapter uh, 16. It summarizes the actions when Moses wrote and said, From that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. The priest who was anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments, then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. Verses 30, 32, and 33. Because the priesthood was hereditary, only the descendants of Aaron uh, would qualify to serve as high priest under the law of Moses. Jesus, however, was from the tribe of Judah, so he could not be a priest uh, from the Le- for the Levitical priesthood uh, and would not want or need to be because uh, that was under the law of Moses and that would come to an end when the law of Christ began. Jesus was from the tribe of Ju- Judah. The author of the book of Hebrews describes him as a merciful and faithful high priest, Hebrews 2.17. And he's also called a great high priest, Hebrews 4.14. This teaches us that uh, Jesus is a different kind of high priest. The difference uh, is emphasized by our text. Hebrews 5.5, Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. God specifically chose him to make atonement for humanity. As high priest, Jesus sympathizes with our struggles. Hebrews 4.15 He is faithful. He is also faithful in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Hebrews 2.17 The word propitiation, price paid. Unlike the high priest who served under the law of Moses, Jesus served as the great high priest. He is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Hebrews 7.26 Thankfully, he made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Once for all, when he offered up himself, verse 27, he is indeed better, chapter 1 and verse 4, he's better than the angels, he's better than Moses, and he's better than the Levitical high priest. The next section of our lesson talks about the priesthood according to Aaron, or the, the priesthood coming from Aaron's family. The high priest designated by the law of Moses was the religious leader of the people. He was appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, Hebrews 5.1. Individuals who served as high priest under that covenant were taken the New King James Version translates the word taken. ESV translates the word chosen. NIV 
translates it selected. They were taken from among men, chosen from among men, selected from among men. These individuals were the descendants of Aaron, Exodus 28:43. Unlike Christ, who was called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, Hebrews 5:10. The work of the Aaronic high priest include offering both gifts and sacrifices. Uh, Hebrews 5 verse 1. Summarizing these efforts, uh, one writer wrote, uh, We see examples of such gifts in burnt offerings. Leviticus 1, 1 through 17. Grain offerings. Leviticus 2, 1 through 16. Fellowship offerings. Leviticus 3, 1 through 17. And thank offerings. Leviticus 7, 20 through, uh, 12 through 13. And chapter uh, and verse 15 in 2 Chronicles 29, 31. In Psalm 50, verse 14, high priest also offered sacrifices to atone for sins. The burnt offerings also atoned for sin. Leviticus 1, 4, as did the sin offerings. Leviticus 4, 1 through 35, and the restitution offerings. Leviticus 5, 1 through 19. Transgressions were especially atoned for on the day of Pentecost when sins committed during the entire year were forgiven. Leviticus 16, 1-34. The high priest occupied a position of authority, but he certainly wasn't perfect. In fact, he was subject to the same weaknesses and temptations as the people that he was uh, serving for. Therefore, he was to show consideration to those who struggled with, with and yielded to sin, and he was to offer sacrifices for himself first. Making this point, Hebrews 5, 2, and 3 says, He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. The distinction between sins committed in ignorance or unintentionally and those committed in rebellion is also made elsewhere in Scripture. Hebrews 9, 27, Leviticus 4, 2, and 13 Numbers fifteen twenty two to thirty one. Regarding the priest disposition, a true high priest is no indifferent is not indifferent to moral lapses, neither is he harsh. He is able to take this position only because he himself shares in the same weaknesses as the sinners on whom he has compassion. The earthly high priest is at one with his people in their need for atonement and forgiveness. The high priest under the law of Moses were the direct descendants of Aaron, who was an individual chosen specifically by God to fill the office first. So Hebrews 5.4 says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. Brother James Burton Kaufman wrote, Only God had the right to appoint such a thing as a high priest who would represent his people before the presence on high and only God has the right to name a high priest for all of mankind. This lays the premise for showing that Christ, too, was called and appointed by God to the great office which he exercises on behalf of all men. So if Jesus wasn't of the Levitical priesthood, and he was of the tribe of Judah, what kind of priest was he? The book of Hebrews establishes the superiority of Christ and his law to that of Moses in every conceivable way, including establishing that Jesus is the great high priest, Hebrews 
With that said, Jesus could not be a priest after the Aaronic order because he was a descendant of Judah. Hebrews 7.14 Instead, Jesus' priesthood is different. He is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek enters the biblical record in Genesis 14. In that text, Melchizedek, who is described as the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, blessed Abraham and God, verses 18 and 19. In response to the blessing, Abram gave him a tithe of all, all the spoils from the battle he recently had won in verse 20. Describing Melchizedek, the author of Hebrews said he was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 3. This does not mean Melchizedek literally had no parents. Uh, it means that his priesthood was not derived from man. God made him a priest. Uh, he didn't inherit it. He was appointed. The same can be said of Jesus. Commenting on this section, another writer says the point is that since Melchizedek had no recorded ancestor in the priesthood, he would serve as a type of the priesthood of our Lord. Since he was not a descendant of Levi, but was directly honored as a priest by Abraham, Melchizedek set a precedent for Jesus' priesthood. About half a millennium later, Psalm 110, verse 4, uh, it was implied that someone else would follow in that order. Our Lord's lack of priestly parentage did not qualify him on being our high priest. So if he did not qualify based on his ancestry, we, we learn that he was qualified because God appointed him. At this point, the text focuses on Jesus' relationship with his father. Having already introduced him as God's son, Hebrews 5.5, 5, it describes how Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, verse 7. Although the text does not specify the exact moment that Jesus prayed such a prayer, it certainly fits the prayer that he uttered in the Garden of Gethsemane on the evening of his betrayal. Describing that occasion, Luke wrote, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Luke 22, 41-44 We know Jesus' prayer in the garden was heard because an angel came and strengthened him. Luke 22, 43. Nevertheless, Jesus was not spared from death, despite being God's son. Stressing this point, the Hebrew, uh, Hebrews 5, 8 states, Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. The idea is not that he learned in spite of being a son, but that even though he was God's son, he endured days of the flesh along with the temptations and sufferings that accompany them. Though God's son, he earned the right to represent us, Hebrews 5.1, and is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, Hebrews 4.15. Having been selected by God, Hebrews 5.10, and prepared by his sufferings to serve as our faithful high priest, 
Jesus became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Verse 9. We have the opportunity to yield our will to his. When we obey him, he saves us. Our lesson text concludes with a rebuke of those who have become dull of hearing. Verse 11. We must never lose the ability to listen to, appreciate, and obey our Lord. Two main applications. The high priest played an important role under the law of Moses. Jesus' role as our great high priest is even more important, more significant. The sacrifice he made for our sins was done once for all. To benefit from the blood he shed on the cross, we must obey him, Hebrews 5.9. We would do well to consider what Hebrews 5, 7, and 8 teaches about prayer. Although Jesus was the Son of God and prayed fervently, he still went to the cross. And even though an individual prays fervently, he or she may find some prayers are not answered as desired. In such cases, the individual must trust God uh, Trust God will supply the strength he or she needs to face whatever God deems best. This is exactly what Jesus did when he prayed, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I leave the questions to you. Uh, if you encounter one that creates difficulty, call or text or keep the list together and when uh, we start uh, having the opportunity to have class face-to-face, -face, uh, we can answer them then. If you have other questions, keep track of those and be sure to get those answered. Let's conclude with prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray that the, the things that we learn from your word will help us to be stronger, uh, be more faithful, uh, help our faith to grow. Uh, protect us in this difficult time. In Jesus' name, amen.